Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Aloha. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is this our first movie to take place in Hawaii? I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, we've never watched The Descendants. <laughs> we've never... I'm trying... Lilo and Stitch. Aloha. Alo- no, we're, we're never watching <laughs> Aloha. Let's make that clear. As much as I love Cameron Crowe, we're not watching Aloha. We've also never watched Pearl Harbor. No. That's about it. Those are the only movies that take place in Hawaii. Oh, Ticket to Paradise. That's not Hawaii. Is that Thailand? That's Bali. Bali. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mila. How could I get it wrong? Is that what? How could I get it wrong? Yeah. How could you do that to George and Julia? Absolutely. That's the relationship we need in this world. It's true. <laughs> oh, Mita, how's it going? I'm here. I'm worried I'm getting sick. Yeah. So I'm just trying to nip it in the bud. I've been taking um, cough syrup every night before bed. Do you take emergency? No, I did not take emergency. You should try I've some emergency. I've been taking phenylalanine all in one. Okay. We could take some emergency in the morning and benelin at night. Okay. That's my medical I'm opinion for you. Trying to get my hands on some echinacea. Mm. Just spritz that bad boy in yeah. my throat. Yeah. Guys, you should also know it's snowed here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty snow though. It's a pretty snow. The first snowfall is always pretty, but then you yeah. gotta get into it and you realize winter is so much work. So much. It's I'm just not like work. Prepared. Yeah. I don't know where my boots are. Yeah. I took out my coat yesterday, and it's dirty. Yeah. But I'm like, do I bother to get it dry clean? It's just going to get dirty. Get dirty yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need to wash them. I'd say every every year seems excessive, to be quite honest, especially because it's so expensive to dry clean these coats. Yeah. So I don't know. And, they just, and I got into a fight with the dry cleaners the last oh, time. About. I took in three coats. Mm-hmm. One of my coats had a rip in it, and okay. I asked them to fix the rip. Okay. Is this really our small talk? I think so. <laughs> Continue, okay. please. One of them had a rip in it, and I asked them to fix the rip, too, and mm-hmm. they said, yeah, no problem. We'll do that. Then I went to go pick up the three coats, and I took the three coats. I brought them home, and the one that had the rip, the rip was still in there. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's weird. The rip was still in there, and... It hadn't been dry cleaned. It was d- still dirty. I was like, what the H? So I went back to the dry cleaners and I said, oh, like this was the one that was supposed to have the rip and like it wasn't fixed at all. And the woman, the only person working there was the seamstress. She mm-hmm. goes, no, 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 I did it on your other one. I was like, my other coat didn't have a rip in it. And yeah. she was like, no, no, I fixed the rip. I fixed the rip. I fixed it in your other coat. I was like, no, like I know which one had the rip. Yeah. This one clearly has a rip. And also, why would I have coats with two rips and not pay to get both rips? Yeah, that in and of itself. (laughs) And we were arguing back and forth. She started calling me a liar. So then I was just like, get your manager to call me tomorrow. Manager calls me the next day. She's like, I apologize. Bring the coat in. We'll get the rip fixed. And then we'll dry clean the coat as well. Because I was upset that the coat hadn't been dry cleaned. So I give her the coat. She calls back. Coat is fixed. And it's been dry cleaned. I come back. The rip is fixed, but because it was dry cleaned, there was like some leather trimming on Mm -hmm. the coat and it's like completely destroyed. (sighs) Completely. And I was just like, I don't feel like I should have to pay for that 
because they're uh, oh so they started claiming that I hadn't paid for the dry cleaning for this coat and I was like no I paid for it when I got all yeah. redone I paid up front I so like that should have been done in the first place she's like well I have to charge you this because of that da, 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 da. I was like no you don't and anyway it was this huge back and forth because the coat's destroyed so I can't wear it oh it looked really bad. that sucks it looked really bad and then I just wound up leaving it there because she was trying to charge me so much for it and, and then you're like, called. well, I'm not keeping it. So like, what's the, so they completely destroyed? They completely destroyed it. Yeah. Was it a nice get jacket? Um, No. So it actually was like a jacket I had left in Ottawa while I lived in Toronto. Like I didn't wear it for years. So yeah. I was more upset because I didn't get good wear out of it. Mm-hmm. Like it was an Ottawa winter coat jacket, not a Toronto winter yeah. coat jacket. So it was like a real winter jacket. Yeah, and so, like, I didn't really need it all that time, so, like, it was fine, but I was just like, I never really got to wear it. It also was, like, a little bit bigger, but which is good for Ottawa winter, so you can wear, like, a bulkier sweater mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, like, wasn't, like, super pissed, but, like, she kept trying to charge me another, like, 80 bucks for it, mm. and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So I just, I got fed up and I left it there, and then she called, like, six months later I was like, there's this coat here. You haven't picked it up yet. And I was like, is there a charge with this coat? Yeah. She goes, yeah. And I was like, nope. I'm yeah. not picking it up. You can donate it. Well, so now you have so. to find a new dry cleaner. The The moral of that story is Mita needs to find a new dry cleaner. Yeah. And they're so hard to find. They're hard to find. Good ones are hard to find. Where do you, yeah, you tell me where you go and then I'll go there. We actually, where did we get our coats dry cleaned? Because my wife and I both have like fur lined coats and like, mm-hmm expensive winter coats like we paid the money invested in them although like when I worked at Nordstrom I got a heavy discount on them and that was a great purchase at that time especially I remember when we worked at Nordstrom at the same time there was there was like a shortage of winter coats like it was really hard Mm -hmm. you couldn't get like a Canada goose or a moose knuckle you know or macage like you couldn't get a high quality coat it was really hard to get them they were, like, in supply. I remember one year, I could divulge this, what are they going to do? Yeah. That the Vancouver store, when they first opened, do you remember this? Oh, they, my God, yes. There, st- there was a shortage, and people were, like, buying them in Vancouver, Canada, goose coats. So their store manager tried to order in, like, essentially use the store credit card to buy all the inventory from Ottawa to have it shipped. And then, like, our store manager cut them off and was just like, you cannot do this. It turned into like, it was like... It turned into like a turf war. Yeah, like a turf war over Canada goose coats. It turned into um, the store manager on duty that day had to stand in the coats department because like if an order came through, an employee was encouraged to just go and fulfill the order. She had to stand in the coats department and be like, what's that order? And like check it and be like, okay, yeah, you can fulfill this one. (laughs) It was just so drama. Yeah, it was it just was so drama. It was ridiculous. so funny. One of my favorite days of work. Yeah, and now there's a Canada Goose store, so it's not a. There you go. It doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, but yeah, all this to say that it was really hard to get. So we invested the money at the time and got them. And like, if we're talking about winter, like it's just a season. It's not where we live. Winter is a life. It, like yeah. six months now, we are now in snow and cold, and you need to change. Be here till May. Easily, easily, April is when the thaw begins. And then the thaw finishes end of May. So like, and then there's always one little trickle mm, of snow that comes in in absolutely. May. Absolutely, that mother like, effing. I just fooled like, you. Yeah. Oh, I'm still here. That groundhog bitches. knows shit. Yeah. <laughs> so when we're talking about winter coats and like the investment in boots and like you spend, you can spend a lot of money on it, and it's money well spent. The last couple of years I haven't though because like we've just been restricted at home, and I feel like this year I'll just stay at home. 
But I mean, we work from home now. It is very different. Like when you're commuting, yeah. you need it. Need, you it's need a very the, different story. But also, like I'm not going to change my very expensive winter coat for very many years because I've had it for five years and it looks brand new. And it I've feels, never gotten yeah. an expensive one because I just uh, they get so dirty, and I I don't know. Maybe I should invest it. Well, now I'm not going to. Now there's less of a reason to. Yeah. (laughs) But all this entire long-winded story was to say that we have fur on ours. So we had to find someone specifically who could dry clean it. But it was like $100 to dry clean each coat or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. They're down finals, colds. But again, it's worth it in the end. I believe. Like, it does keep me warm. I get cold in the winter. I like the security of a winter jacket. It's very, like, like a comforter. That's Mm -hmm. what it should feel like. There you go. But I do hate like winter boots and then the hat and then the gloves and then losing the hat and then losing the gloves and then like. And the scarf and make sure your neck is covered. Oh, oh my God. Cover yeah. your whole face. Yeah. And then you're sitting in the car and like I was just talking. You're overheating in the car. Oh my God. I was talking about this with my wife because when I came back from San Francisco, I had like a, I had like a leather jacket and I was wearing my sweatsuit and it still was like traveling is so cumbersome with all the like carry-ons and things and like I could not imagine having to travel with carry-on, with a winter coat, like a thick... Um, I am going to be yeah. doing that in a few days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just it's just so much more bulk and so much more heft and, like, it's just a it lot. It sucks. It sucks. It really it does. Sucks. It sucks. Yeah. But here we are. This is winter. And, you know, winter does bring here. some nice things. Winter brings snow and Christmas, I guess. And it also brings award season. Yeah, it does. The best season of the year. Which is actually what I wanted to talk about for small talk, but, like, we Mm -hmm. are running short, so, like, I'll bring that up later. But all this to say that, like, the movies are coming. They're starting to come. And it is exciting. Yeah. Are you going to talk about what you saw last night or no? Oh, well, now I have to because you mentioned it, but... Sorry. (laughs) I'll talk about it quickly. (laughs) I'll talk about it quickly. Uh, Last night, I saw Armageddon Time. I'm so jealous. And last week, I saw The Banshees of Inishirin. Yes. So far. So those are, I think, two... I think Banshees is a little bit more Oscar-y. Like, it's okay. it's more, like, on the list. And I don't, but yeah. I don't think Armageddon Time is. And I can see why. Armageddon Time was a little forgettable. Like, it wasn't really my my speed. I'm not really a big what fan of... Anne? I love it, Anne. Yeah. Anne was is really Anne good. Is Anne going to get an I hope she does. I think she deserves it. I'm really happy that Anne is getting the recognition we kind of took away from her. She yeah, kind of screwed we it up so herself. Her. We were, but she kind of screwed it up herself with how she acted around the lame is time. Like she tried to be so humble, but it came off as very insincere. But I actually think she is humble. I think she I is. Her. I think yeah. at that time though, it just it didn't it didn't rub people the right way. And I think yeah. she got shot on quite a bit. But I like but that, she brought the bangs back and everyone is yeah, like I'm into glad it. that she's kind of back into it and she's really good in this. She's she's the best part of it, but she plays a supporting role and that sucks. Because, I'm here for the Anasons. Yeah, I'm here for the Anasons too. So Armageddon Time, you can wait. You can see it when it releases inevitably on, on demand soon. Banshees okay. of Anishirin is very different in many, many ways. Isn't it a comedy? Is it it's a comedy? That's one of the things it could be described as. Okay. It's very hard to explain. And I think it's one of those movies that's best if you just go in blind. Okay. So, I love Colin. So I feel I lo- like Yeah, I, I love Colin. I enjoyed it. It's not what I expected, but I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I didn't love it, but okay. I did like it. Okay. So there's that. But those are two things checked off my list. There and give me the top three things you're looking forward to before we move on. Like in terms of the Oscar Oscar season? movies, yeah. The Fablemans. Okay. I want to see Armageddon Time. Oh, really? That's up there? 
Yeah, I do want to see Armageddon time. Okay. Especially because doesn't Jessica Chastain play like Donald Trump's mom? Is that a spoiler? Yeah, no, it is kind of. But like she's got, I thought there was more to it. She's got like one speech. Oh, okay. It's a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. I just want to see a movie that has Jessica Chastain in and halfway in it. Yeah. Don't share screen space, but sure. Um, (laughs) And then, I don't know. I feel like I've been a little removed from the talk. I don't, I can't think of anything. Well, hold on. Let me check my list. I have a list. I mean, you're missing the one you're probably looking forward to. Uh, Avatar? No. <laughs> like, a real she one said, you're actually looking for. it. Oh, Glass Onion? Yeah. Well, Glass Onion, I am going to go see on the 27th. Like, I already have my ticket How in theater. How excited are you? I'm very excited to see it in theaters. Yeah. Because I, I, when I heard that it was going to be a Netflix movie, I was like, oh, that's not as fun as, like, seeing Knives Out. Yeah. But because they're doing a small release in theaters, I was like, oh, I have to watch it in there. So I am going to go in a couple weeks. I also really want to see The Menu. You know what, Mita? I really want to see The Menu, too. And I was really disappointed that The Menu wasn't playing yesterday. And it's releasing on Friday, but I was I was kind of jazzed for it. Yeah. I, I should we go see, see The Menu together? Maybe we should. And She Said. I, am, I want to see She Said. I think if I'm thinking feminist movie, I'd rather see Women Talking than She Said. I haven't seen... Is there a trailer for Women Talking? There is, yeah. And it's a lot okay. more purity. She Said might be a lot more relevant to our time, but Women Talking seems like it's the better movie. I love that Sarah Paulson. Sarah Not Polly. Sarah Paulson. Sarah Polly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to The Fablemans because I think we have to. Yeah. Uh, Women Talking is up there. And then Glass Onion. And I am very curious about Babylon. Yeah. I'm curious about Babylon yeah. too. Very I have curious. thoughts. But yeah. I'm not... I'm not <laughs> I'm not excited for it. It could be very good or it could just fall it flat. Could, I feel like it's going to, it's two extremes. It's either going to be really great or it's. I don't not think gonna. it'll be like a halfway movie. And part of me just wants Avatar to bomb so I don't have to see it. I don't, nobody's talking about no. it. So maybe it will. Maybe it will. Yeah. But speaking of things that bombed, <laughs> a little, little off color. Yeah. But great segue nonetheless. So close to Veterans Day. Veterans Day just happened and you're making jokes. I'm okay. I'm running with it because it was a good one. <laughs> okay. What did we watch this week, Mita? This week we watched From Here to Eternity. We did. Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you the really, really long-winded IMDb description for this movie. Okay. At a U.S. Army base in 1941 Hawaii, a private is cruelly punished for not boxing on his unit's team while his commanding officer's wife and top aide begin a tentative affair. Tentative? Tentative is a weird choice. Yeah, that it's like they yeah. may or may not start an affair. So I had an English teacher in the ninth grade, and we kept asking her, "When is our um, exam? Or when is our when is something due? When is something due?" It's tentatively, yeah. And she kept saying, "It's tentatively due." Yeah. <laughs> and we all were like, "Miss, what does that mean? Yeah. We need to know when we need to finish our homework." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I have a lot of qualms with the word tentative. I get that. There's some trauma there, but it's not tentative. It's not tentative. They do it. On the beach. On the beach. There's literally, probably, we don't see it, sex on the beach. We think that there is. All we see is kissing. We never see the sex in these movies. I'm interested to see when sex actually shows up in these movies, but that's another conversation. But this time, 1953, here to eternity, thoughts. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. I when I first saw the Discro, I was like, "Great, a, a, a war army movie, movie yeah. like a war movie." We know my feelings towards that. Um, if you don't, 
I don't like war movies. <laughs> um, this isn't a, a war movie, though. So it's speak, more yeah. about the people, which I think that's what I'm more attracted to yeah. is like people's lives around this time and like what it looks like. And what I really enjoyed about this are the women in this movie. Yeah. I think they're very layered. They have something to actually bring. They're not like, I hate that her name is Karen. I feel so bad for her now. She didn't know. But like (laughs) Karen is a woman having an affair, but you also like, you don't, you don't feel bad for her, but Mm. you also like want her to like have this affair and like to go forward. And like, it's such an interesting point of view. And even the Donna Reed character because she has two names. I don't know which one I should call her. I mean, Alma is her name name, right? Yeah. But she's also Lorene. Lorene. But Alma and Lorene, like Alma having to change her name to Lorene. So yeah. she feel, so she appeals to these soldiers like she's a French woman or something. Although Lorene's not a French name. Like she got some bad advice there. But <laughs> um, Lorene is actually fairly like down south. Yeah, I feel like they were, I don't I don't know if it's just because I'm a woman, but they were more of the standouts to me in this movie than the actual, like, soldiers themselves. I didn't find them that interesting. But, like, just interesting stories that happen to be occurring during wartime, which I think is a much more appealing way to have a wartime movie. Yeah, I think that's that's a, that's a very good point. I, I don't, I didn't read the IMDb description to try to stay away from them. And I don't know what happened, but I forgot what time period this was taking place in. So when Like we, while watching it? Yeah. So while we get to Pearl Harbor at the end, I was like, yeah. wait. Wait, what? Is it Pearl Harbor? <laughs> like, I was totally, like, taken aback by it. And I appreciated my ignorance because yeah. it totally felt like I was I was blindsided. I wasn't like, sitting there waiting honesty, for it. If we were living in, like, wartime, life still is happening. Like, things are still going on. And then you're like, oh, wait, we just got bombed. We just got bombed, yeah. Yeah. And so I I feel dumb having been so ignorant to it. But also, at the same time, the experience made it better. Because my thoughts about this movie were a couple of things. It was, I agree with everything you're saying. I think the women are very well written. This movie is so well performed. It's, like, five Mm -hmm. excellent performances. And they're probably the strongest thing about this film. And that's saying a lot, I'll say. But really strong characters, really strong performances, really strong women, which is really rare, and really strong men to really complex, interesting characters throughout. But I was watching this and I was kind of like, okay, how are these two stories largely connected? Because it felt very disjoint for very long. Mm -hmm. Because you you have the story of... Burt Lancaster and Deborah Kerr and their, uh, you know, very sensuous affair, which I freaking loved. I loved everything about that story. I loved her introduction. I loved the fight she has with her husband in her bedroom. I loved everything. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm so here for this, this quality of writing and this quality of acting and these scenes. This is like mint. Even the cheesiness of it, of like, even the line of like, I wish I didn't love you because it hurts so much to love you. Yeah, like it didn't yeah. feel as like it. Like it, while I was watching that scene, I was just like, "This is a cheesy line," but I kind of get what he's saying. Too. I get it. Yeah. yeah, like I get what you're saying. I really enjoyed that story, but Montgomery Cliff and Donna Reed that was a little bit lighter and a little bit less interesting. I found, and then a the little ho- more um, innocent. I think. Yeah, and even Montgomery, Montgomery Cliff's character, it was it was interesting, and I got it, but it just didn't have the literal heat or passion that the affair did. And so mm-hmm. that was one part of it. The other part was just kind of like, okay, why are these two stories being told together? And I still you have even having watched this, I can't figure that out. 
I wonder if there's... Well, it is based on a book. Yes. Which I have not read. Have you read? I have not read the book. No. <laughs> but I wonder if there is something more in the book that kind of brings them yeah. together. The only thing I can think of is that ending scene of like... I think maybe it would make more sense if they also started with that instead of ending with that. These yeah. two women on the boat leaving Hawaii. Yeah. Like, maybe if they started with that, you'd kind of be like, oh, like, how do these two kind yeah. of relate to each other? If she's discovering at that time, she knows Pruitt, as opposed to the end, she's finding out. I think that's maybe the connector, but wasn't in the right spot. Yeah, and I think maybe the other thing is, is it's just meant to be, like, the lives of officers at that time, like, people yeah. in, in, the, in the military or army. Because the problem with, like, having connecting stories is that it can get really cheesy mm -hmm. like it can get like this is us yeah and you don't want it to be this is us <laughs> you really don't like this is us i like this is us but like that that writer and that director like he always does that i've that. mentioned this other movie he has before that yes. i'm forgetting the name of that i absolutely With Oscar hate Isaac, i think yeah oscar isaac olivia wilde it Antonio has a Banderas. terrible name too it's like a day in the life or something like real yeah. garbage something stupid i think olivia cook is in it too but it's the the idea of like everyone is connected in these small simple ways is so stupid <laughs> you know what so, all, you know what other movie does that really poorly no love actually does it well don't even start with me but love actually what, does it so well fair enough you know what movie does it really poorly though <laughs> what? crash <laughs> Finding any opportunity to hate on Paul Haggis's crash. Not yeah, David Cronenberg's crash about people who have sex with car crashes. <laughs> I've never seen that. You've never heard of that by David Cronenberg? I, I know that he has a movie called Crash, but I didn't know it was about people having sex I don't sex know if it's people who have crashes. sex with car crashes. I've never seen it. I just know that's what it's about. But Or I think it's, sorry, it's people who get turned on by car crashes. Okay, yeah, that's a little bit different. <laughs> or they have sex during car crashes. It's very bizarre, whatever it is. But either way, it's not that. It's a much, much worse movie. This even took though I a weird turn. <laughs> Where were we? From here to eternity. Yeah. <laughs> I also, that title has a very romantic feel to it. Right? It's so like, it's sweeping. It's, it's very like, sweeping. Uh, and I, it didn't match the movie. I But I literally, when I see From Here to Eternity now, having watched it, I'm literally picturing that beach. Yeah, absolutely. And then being swept away. Yeah, like it's from there to eternity. Yeah. That's what they want. That's what they want. And it totally yeah. works. And it's so iconic now. But mm -hmm. the movie itself just doesn't match that. No, it totally. Totally. It's not. Because it's not, I thought I was watching a romance. I thought like, it was an all out romance. Mm-hmm. But... To sorry i thought going into it it was going to be like a cheesy romantic film of oh, the 1950s okay. but no. it's not it's very it it's a drama with romantic undertones yeah but i think and the, sex and sex which <laughs> yeah. is also the first time we've really seen like the implication of sex mm -hmm. like you they're having an affair they're not holding hands they're just not allowed to show any any sex yeah also did you know i read this in the trivia and i found this super fascinating that in the book, hmm. the Deborah Kerr character actually contracts gonorrhea or chlamydia from her husband and has to have a hysterectomy because of it. And that's why she can't conceive again. But it was way too much for the movie. That's so juicy. Isn't it so juicy? I love that. Yeah. I want to read this book. It's interesting because a, a book that was released before 1953 could have that stuff, but the movie can't. Yeah. 
It's a, yeah. Well, they probably burned the book. No. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> no, I don't. But I think censorship is interesting in that way. I guess like you could say whatever you want, but I guess like the Marquis de Sade has been writing porn since before porn was porn. So there you go. I guess there, I had read that there was also some things about homosexuality in the book that they had to take out in order to make the movie as well. Oh, really? Because I totally mm. got that undertone. Yeah. There's, there's a, something there's a there. bit homo- of a homoerotic undertone here. Yeah. But I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't tell what it was. And apparently the director of this like wanted to keep it in, but had to fight with studios. So what is meant to happen? I don't know exactly. I didn't get that far into my research. Sorry, but I like, this was a rush job. This was a rush job, unfortunately. (laughs) Honestly, an enjoyable rush job. Yeah. Like you texted me last night and you were like, do you want to go see a movie? And I was like, I do really want to go see a movie, but I also need to watch this. And then I was upset. And I was like, I wish I went to go see the movie with Nadim. Oh. But I got to watch this, which I actually really enjoyed. And I was like, oh, okay, now I'm not so mad. Yeah, because again, you yeah. watch something good. And to be quite honest, this was better than Armageddon Time. So that's, yeah, that's my okay. stance. In your opinion. In my I opinion. I haven't seen Armageddon You haven't. Time but that's my opinion. Absolutely. Okay. I think I understand why this is, I don't know if it stood the test of time, though. That's actually an interesting thing I'm just thinking. Has I think it it's very the... much of its time. Yes. I was going to say, I think it's very much of its time, and I think we've seen better things since, mm-hmm. but I can totally see at the time why this was, like, the shit. And I think it was the shit of that the shit of the that shit. time. That sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> I think it it is of its time, mm-hmm. but it's classic in the way that you can appreciate it being of its time like in no way is that a negative connotation for it like it works yeah it's not saying like something like cimarron or cavalcade is of its time like i guess people just like this this is like this was great up at the time and that's it's in in the nicest way possible that this was Mm -hmm. really really timely for the time it came out in and it's not and movies of like this time shouldn't be remade today like you just can't you can't do this you can't do this and you can't have I think what works so well about that Burt Lancaster Deborah Kerr scene on the beach is that mm-hmm. it's sexy without being sexual. Like it's erotic and it's sensual. Now, and I it... wonder though, like you and I are talking in 2022. Yeah. There's been a lot of like an airplane, they make fun of that. There's been a lot of like montages yeah, that have yeah. sort of like followed that. So we know it like in terms of the world of popular mm-hmm. culture. Are we appreciating it right now because we know it that for being like that scene or do you think at the time people were like receptive to it? I think people at the time would have been receptive. If you I, that's a good question because if you watch the film, it is the only way you get sex in the film. Mm-hmm. Right? There's that as well. An affair without the implication of sex is bland because the it's affair boring. the whole you have to be able to accept that she's cheating. If I they have this like quasi open relationship and he's, you know, undermining his boss and all of that. So you do have to kind of sell it with heat you have to sell it with passion and at a time when you can't sell sex that one scene kind of does that job it, it yeah. gives the implication of of sexy time so i think it probably was receptive it probably worked and i read actually that like they couldn't advertise the scene they weren't allowed to like put like put it on posters or things and that projectionist would then cut the scene so that they could keep it for themselves i <laughs> I wish more movies did that today, though. I feel like so much is given away into trailers and the marketing. And so you look forward to something. And then once it actually happens, you're like, oh, that was it. Also, if this would made today, they'd be having sex. We'd be seeing them have sex. And I actually, I feel like that would ruin it. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. 
Like, I think there's something so sweet about, like, knowing that it's happening, but not actually having that visual. There's something so much more romantic about it. That's an interesting point of view because I agree with you, but I think it's just more erotic that we don't know what's happening. Yeah. I don't think it's sweet necessarily, but I I, I think the... But there's, like, there's like a, there's an innocence to it. It's just not, it's, there's a subtlety to it. It's there's not a subtlety so blatant. for sure. It's not blatant, like, we're getting it on. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a monster truck rally. <laughs> <laughs> not like a monster truck rally. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think this was interesting, but one thing I do want to talk about, there's a couple of things I want to still talk about. First of all, yeah. I want to point out Best Picture winners, because I want to talk about whether you think this deserved Best Picture, because, Mitha, mm, the other four nominees were Julius yes. Caesar, okay. The Robe, yeah. Shane, Shane, and Mitha's all-time favorite movie, <laughs> Roman holiday. I, I, what do you think I think? I don't know. I think you love Roman holiday, but you see the pitfalls. And I think yeah. you respect that this was the better made film for the time. I do love Roman holiday. Uh, I stand by it. Yeah. You can listen to, we Our watched episode. it in season one. Yeah. Yeah. So you can listen to that episode. I do see that this is the better picture between yeah. the two. If I'm looking at those two, I haven't seen Shane Robe or Julius Caesar. But between those two, yes, From Here to Eternity is the better made film, the better story told as well. Because... Especially if you're looking at romance. Yeah, especially because there is not so much story in Roman Holiday. That That's a story. She's a princess, Nadim, <laughs> and she just wants to live a normal life. That's a movie that's been made time and time again. Look at First Daughter, the Mandy <laughs> yes. Moore one. The Princess Diary, like... <laughs> Look at First Daughter. Daughter with Katie Holmes. What's the Mandy Moore one, oh, though? The Chasing Liberty. Fate, yes, Chasing yeah. Liberty. It's a story that's been told time and time again. And that and that is the original Princess Needs a Life story. And it, a life. But yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I would have still understood if you thought it was the better film, because I don't think Roman Holiday is a bad film. I think it's just a little hollow, personally. But both of these... Films actually have is like kind of location porn. It's like yeah. here, you know, Hawaii is kind of foreign to a lot of people, yeah. I'm sure, in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like we're going on a vacation almost. And then in Roman holiday, they're in Rome. They're in Rome. <laughs> and it's the Roman it's holiday of it all. The whole, the scenery of that movie is a character in itself. It's so. beautiful. It is beautifully yeah. shot. It's really, really quite something. So I wouldn't harsh you if that was what you felt. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I definitely agree because I don't love Roman Holiday as much as you. But did Roman Holiday deserve a Best Picture nomination? Yes. Yeah, you think? Yes. I think there are. I just love it. (laughs) Shocking, Mita. Shocking. (laughs) I think that story can easily be really cheap. And that it's not a cheap story. The way it's told, the way it's performed. There's the an elegance visual of aspects of it, it could easily be a Disney Channel movie, yeah, which is... it then has later become in its new variations. But that time, it is really well crafted. I mean, there is definitely an elegance about it. You can give it that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really something quite nice about how it is. Okay. If that, like, I can respect that. She got an Oscar. Did she get an Oscar for Roman Holiday? Mm-hmm. Her mother, Catherine, must have been so happy. Shut up. It's not. 
<laughs> she beat out Deborah Kerr. She beat out Ava Gardner. Okay, she now that's out- a question then. Mm. Yeah, if I'm going to go back <laughs> in time, I am going to say the Deborah Kerr performance is the standout Deborah there. Kerr is excellent in this. She's pretty fantastic in this. Like both her and Donna Reed. And Donna Reed won an Oscar, rightfully so. But Deborah Kerr is really good in this. Yeah. Better than Audrey, I'd say. Because Audrey some, is usually always playing Audrey. But that's what we know of Audrey. Like, does anyone really know the real Audrey Hepburn? I mean, she didn't play Audrey in Wait Until Dark, right? No, she didn't. So there's a little bit. like she was Even little, in, like, charade, she's, like, a little. She's a little bit different. But generally different. speaking, Audrey did play a lot of Audrey. She's like Diane Keaton in that way. She's always but we playing. Love, we love Diane. We love Diane. Diane is always playing Diane. Fans of Diane here on this podcast. <laughs> so the other question I had is that yes. these were f- five, I'd say four very attractive actors. People. People. There's five very attractive actors. There's four and then there's Frank Sinatra. He is attractive. I don't know why you're hating on him so much. So I'd like you to rank them, Mita, <laughs> in terms in of. In terms of their attractiveness? Attra- purely just attractiveness. Okay. I'm going to go, hold on, let me look at their faces. Okay, take a nice little look at their faces. Mm-hmm. Take them in. I feel like it goes Bert, Deborah. Is the least attractive? Most. Most. Bert is number one. Deborah is number two. Three is Montgomery. Four is Donna Reed. But then if I'm including Frank in there, four is Frank, five is Donna. Really? You think Frank is better looking than Donna Reed? Yes, because... Yes. <laughs> because why? I'm a straight woman. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough, but I can still... Frank re- is I can so still, attractive But I can still me. recognize that Burt Lancaster is the best looking the person on this guy. cast. Yeah. Yeah. Super fly. There's something very like, oh, Burt. Imagine though, like while watching this, like this isn't black and white, which yeah. I'm like, okay, great. We went back in time. <laughs> but... <laughs> imagine seeing deborah kerr in all her glory in color like imagine that blonde hair imagine what her outfits in this were like that would have been so good very nicole kidman yeah very nicole kidman Mm -hmm. and montgomery cliff is very short (laughs) i mean that was my other takeaway from this no i think donna reed is tall oh you think donna reed is tall yeah i'm gonna look but so is i think that is actually a fact it's very tall Donna Reed height. That's a lie. She was five foot three. <laughs> so he's short. <laughs> uh, oops. How tall was Montgomery Clift? Five nine. Oh, really? Yeah. So I guess Burt Lancaster was just really tall. How tall was? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast. How tall how was? Tall is, how tall is everybody? Six foot one. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. That makes sense. There you go. There's also rumors that Montgomery Clift was also gay. Yeah. And sure. I think everybody back then probably was a little bit. <laughs> Everyone now is more a little bit. Yeah. Everyone's just a little bit gay. Let them be. Oh, absolutely. But I, I that there was reason, I think that was one reason there was a studio head from somewhere who didn't want him to be cast because of that. Oh. I'm sure oh, that, wait, that was more a thing. Apparently, hold on. In 2000 at the Glad Media Awards where, who's Taylor? Taylor Swift? No, it's in his Wikipedia page. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor. Okay, Taylor in this is Elizabeth Taylor. In 2000 at the Glad Media Awards, where Taylor was honored for her work for the LGBT community, she made the first public declaration by anyone of the fact that Clift was gay and called him her closest friend and confidant. According to Cliff's brother, 
Cliff was either gay or bisexual. Montgomery Clift informed his psychiatrist that he was homosexual and struggled to cope with it. In a taped telephone conversation with his brother, Cliff's mother stated she had known Clift was homosexual early on. Okay, there you confirmed. go. That must be such Which a sad, Taylor. Sad, sad, you know, experience for those people at that time. They can't be themselves. Yeah, especially being so much in the limelight and like things are no better now 70 years later but imagine mm-hmm. like in the 50s if you were a gay actor how much rided on you keeping that at bay yeah oh he died young oh how young 45 oh really young yeah oh, was it that car accident no he died at home he got into a car accident with i think rock hudson oh well there you go yeah exactly I- <laughs> yeah everyone knows about rock too oh my god yeah. you know what we never watched and this is like a full aside but it was on my list of things for you to watch, but it was a documentary called uh, Scotty and the... Oh, yeah. You told me you told me about this in our uh, Demita Awards. Yes. But you I never... I still haven't watched it. It's right up your alley, Mita. Can you not? No. It's Scotty something. Scotty doesn't know? <laughs> and... Do you know that oh, movie? Do you know Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. I saw it when I went to TIFF years ago, and it was fascinating. I'll try to find it again. Try to find it. You'd like it. Oh, okay. Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn. Really? Yep. Lana Turner. Katie. Yep. Oh. I think, uh, anyways, the documentary itself, which is not at all to have anything to do with From Here to Eternity, is more about like, <laughs> whether this man, Scotty, is actually telling the truth or whether he's just going senile. And, oh. you know, it's but it's a very interesting documentary because he tells some tales. Tales as old as time. As old as time. Yeah. But yes, back to From Here to Eternity. Yes, the movie. The movie that we we did watch. Yeah. Yeah, I still, I, I, I think my big takeaway from it is I just, I can't understand why the movie was what it was. Even though I liked it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why these two stories coexisted. And it does was everything like, it, need to have that kind of a purpose? Yeah, though? it does because it's it's incohesive. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say no, it doesn't. <laughs> it absolutely does because it's incohesive, right? It's right now. It's very distracting. Like otherwise, I what think are you it's, telling? It's there. It's just not well crafted. So what is this movie saying? I think it's just telling you a, a story, a snapshot of time, like this, just these two stories that happen to be coinciding, and there is a link there. But what is the theme? I, and I think if they dug deeper into that link, that would be cheesy. But what is the theme here? That's fair. That's <laughs> now that I'm mean. trying to search for it. Their connection would have provided what that theme could be. But right now, the disjoint nature of it is like, what are we trying to say here? Is it about There's no, how, like, lessons learned. Yeah, there's no lesson yeah. learned. There's no... Everything happens. And it makes sense how it happens and it transpires. And is it is it about how these two men were unlucky in love? Is it about a snapshot of the lives of officers at, who lived on the island that... Um, and maybe how war gets in the way of true love did it because did it because how would they have met each other without the war yeah and it's all so complicated and burt lancaster and deborah kerr actually break up before pearl harbor even happens and the war has nothing to do with why they break up well she's a married woman well but it has (laughs) nothing but yeah the war has nothing to do with that it's more that she's it's actually less that she's married and more that he doesn't want to change who he is yeah and in that way i think the movie might be more about what the lives of army officers like how okay. how that how that life connects to you and how it affects you, yeah. Because you have these lives of these three men largely who are influenced by this and affected by it and the things that they go through while they are army officers. Mm-hmm. That's still some disjointness. 
I forgot what I was going to oh, say. Oh, you had a thought, guys, and then she... I had a thought, and I lost it. She had a good thought. It. Yep. Yeah. Um, Why don't you tell us your sequel prequel ideas, and then maybe your thought will come back. I mean, that last scene kind of sums it up for me. Like, I want to know what happens with these two ladies. Like, where where are they going? What, they're, what are they going to get up to? Is she going to buy that house in her home, you know? For her mother. Is she going to have a proper life? Yeah. Is Donna Reed going to have a proper life? That's all she's after. Yeah. She just wants to be proper. She just wants to be proper, and I don't blame her. And that time, that's all she knows. She doesn't know how to be risque. <laughs> she could learn something from Karen, though. And I kind of want to see, like, does that divulge into, like, a friendship? Yeah. And I want to see them out on the town. And I want to see Karen, like, getting her all muddied up. <laughs> it's the beginning of a 1950s sex in the city. Yeah. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? Maybe that's something you should write. A 1950s sex in the city? Yeah. It could be interesting. Like the Charlotte characters having an affair. But which the Charlottes of the 50s have affairs. But that's the whole, that's the point. That's the, point. the Charlottes of the 50s wouldn't have an affair. But also Deborah Kerr is either Carrie or, what's the, Samantha. In the 1950s version, Samantha's a lesbian, like a, a closeted lesbian. Oh. Yeah. Why were there no lesbians in Sex and the City? There is now. Well, Yes. <laughs> And there is that episode where they tried to get oh, yes. Charlotte to become a lesbian. And Samantha dates a woman for a brief Oh, yeah. Samantha time. dates a woman for a while. And, yes. like, yeah. This, that was... This episode yeah. has had some real tangents. So... But that's what's... Okay. Well, I... No, you go into your review and I'll go. I will say one thing. Mine. I would actually yeah. like to see a full-fledged movie of that affair. Of that marriage and that affair, the Burt Lancaster, Deborah Kerr affair. I want to see a deeper full-fledged movie of that. Because I think there's so much meat and so much sexiness about it. Mm-hmm. I, I would. Lo- I think that's there could be something really interesting there. Like yeah. I don't think we get enough of the marriage between Deborah Kerr and her husband, and we don't get enough of the affair. Like it really lights that. up the screen when it's on, and we just don't get enough of it. Yeah. And I want more of it. Okay. And that is where I will launch into my review. This movie had some things, <laughs> <laughs> and it had some really good things. Like I said, the performances are really, really top drawer. They're really, really exceptional. By all five of these these amazing actors, it's a really well-performed film. And that is largely because these characters are very fleshed out. You know, last week when we talked about The Greatest Show on Earth and Holly the Acrobat was such a terrible actress and such a dumb character. Like, mm-hmm. it was such a disappointing woman. And then one year later to go to these these two women who are more fleshed out... And especially, I think, when we talk about, you know, women in film, there's this expectation that, like, women are going to be, even in the 50s and 60s and things like that, and even before, that women are going to appear as they do now, that they're going to be forward-thinking and career-oriented and blah, blah, blah. But this is a nice reminder that women of the 50s could also just be well-written characters within their restraints. You know what I mean? Like, she's in a loveless marriage and she has to stay there, but doesn't make her uninteresting. Yeah. It, and it's very doable. And that is, I think, really fascinating. And it's, it's something kind of like how they tried to do with Betty in Mad Men. Is her oh, name Betty? Betty? Yeah, her name's Betty. Yeah. January Jones. January Jones, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of how they like to do that. But again, Mad Men is a movie, is a, sorry, set in that time, but it's from now. This is a movie set in that time period and you know, filmed in that Only time with period. like a 10 year difference. Yeah. So it, there's something about it that just feels more authentic and more real. And a, a reminder that 
there's no reason, even at that time, that women can't be interesting characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, All About Eve is a fine example, obviously. So the writing was really great. The acting was really good. I, the the one thing that really, and it really does take me out of it quite a bit, is just that disjointness of it. The lack of being able to understand why these stories are told together. And if the connection is just the being in the army, and this is the lives of army officers, fine. But I don't think that was intentional. I, I, and I can't seem to pinpoint that. The Pearl Harbor thing was a nice surprise to me. I know most people watching this are probably going to be waiting for it, but I was taken aback by it. And it was filmed very nicely and it was very interesting. And it wasn't super long. That was another thing. Even though mm-hmm. it's the climax it's of the like film, a good It's a amount. good amount of war. And that's I think, was another takeaway. That was the right amount. It was exciting. How it happens is really interesting. Like, that entire sequence really works. And heightened the movie just a bit for me, actually. Because I think by that point... I had kind of predicted what was going to happen and it did happen that way. And not that I'm saying that I'm a genius, even though I am a movie savant. I'm just saying though, that like, I think some things were a little bit more expected and that's okay. But this took me completely by surprise. And so I I really did like that. I do think this deserves best picture because even though I've only just seen Roman holiday off that list, I can see that this was an important film. I can see that it was a landmark film for when it was made because those characters, when I'm watching them now, that conversation that Deborah Kerr has with her husband, the first one, I, I sat up and I was just like, what's happening? What are we talking about here? I was yeah. so like, I was so invested right away. And that's, you can tell early on when a movie's going to be good. And that was the moment. I was just like, mm, this is not going to be bad. This is going to be average at worst. And it actually ends up being better than average, which is why I'm giving it three and a half stars. Lovely. Love that for you. Yeah. From here to eternity. Yes. I can't quite pinpoint it, what it is exactly that is so enjoyable about this. Like, I think there's a lot of different aspects. But like you said, like, you can, you just get a feeling as soon as you put it on, like, okay, this is going to be a good story. And it, a lot of it is that these characters are, are sketched out. They're well thought out. Like there isn't anything about them that doesn't make sense or you would think like maybe they wouldn't do that. Everyone has their principles, their purpose, and they follow through to them. And there isn't anything where you're just sort of shocked by the way that they're acting. Like it makes sense. And there's a lot of depth to each of these, especially the women. That's like what really stood out for me is these women make sense. They're not like, they're not behaving in any way that you'd be like, ugh, why? Or yeah. that you would assume that somebody in the 50s or in the – well, the movie set in the 40s. So that a woman in the 40s would naturally react. It's – so it's – my assumptions are are bad because they're all from based on what I've seen after years after. of just sort of these like stereotypical housewife women and that's what I assumed women of the 40s would be of. Yeah. But this is different and this is seems and feels more real. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that in a well-structured way is pretty remarkable. I think it's interesting because we've talked a lot like throughout all of these movies of like, does this stand the test of time? And I do think it stands the test of time for the exactly the right time that it was in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say like you could remake this today. And if anyone tries to, please don't. <laughs> because... I wouldn't call it timeless either. Hmm. Which is interesting because I do think it's a little dated. I do think we've seen this version of a film done better yeah. later on. And I think an that example? like the time is a little bit, I can't, I actually can't think of an example, but I do think that time, it's, it is, it doesn't feel fresh because like, I think we're more impressed. Sorry to interrupt your review. I'm just saying, I think we're more impressed by those female characters because we've been watching movies from the last 
from 1929 that have underwritten women to suddenly yeah. see a well-written woman feels refreshing. It does. They're well fleshed out. Yeah. And same with the men too, though. And yeah. it doesn't hurt the men are hot in this. <laughs> They're all very attractive. <laughs> Everybody in this movie very is beautiful. Yeah. It's true, yes. Including Frank Sinatra. Justice for Frank. <laughs> How I'm going to end this now. Yeah. No, I I guess... What what other movies have we said are timeless? Like Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, Wind. like even All okay. About Eve. Like there are. I think it is though. Interesting. I think the fact that I'm watching this in 2022 and I can still admire it and say like, oh, this is like a really great movie, speaks to it being timeless. Yeah, that's that's fair actually. So I think it's timeless, <laughs> and I I just I. We've watched so many duds, especially the last two movies, that it was so refreshing to finally get something that has, it has vim, it has vigor, it has all the excitement that you want from wartime. Everything that I hate about war does not exist in this and everything that I love, like the actual stories, the actual people Mm -hmm. and the circumstance is in this and it's so well done. Um, And I too am giving it a three and a half. We're back in an upswing now. Twins. Because we were going, we were three and a half for like four movies, I think, in a row. Yeah. And then the last two kind of like, want, want it. I forgot. What did you give all the Kingsmen? Do you know? I think it was three and a half as well, to be quite honest. I think those four films, save for Hamlet, was three and a half stars. Yeah. Yeah. You gave Hamlet a three. I respect Hamlet more than I like it. I gave it a two. It's how I feel about Promising Young Woman. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but that was From Here to Eternity. And it didn't feel yeah. like an eternity, so thank you for that, too. Yeah, thank you, Frank Zin- Zinnerman. Zimmerman? Did you see all the things where people... So the year prior, um, obviously, the uh, great... I forgot. The, the greatest show ever. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it's called? The greatest show on earth. The greatest show on earth won Best Picture. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people felt that High Noon should have won, which was also directed by Frank Zinnerman. And so people feel like he got his his justice, his justice. for this. Zinnerman. Yeah. His not right. Zimmerman and not Zinnerman. 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 Cinnamon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we move on to another movie, another mm. classic, actually. But before we divulge what that is, Nita? It's game time. It's game time. <laughs> game time. Last week, you had uh-huh. me connect yeah. two of your all-time favorite films. Oh, yeah. Scream 5. <laughs> yep. And Inception. Please don't tell people Scream 5 is one of my all-time <laughs> favorite films. So I'm here to connect. I th- I'm sure there's an easy way to do this. Okay. I'm asking you to connect your all-time favorite movie, Inception, mm-hmm. to another favorite movie of yours. Yeah. It's all meet the all the time right now. I'd like you to connect it to Mary Antoinette. Okay. Sofia Coppola's Mary Antoinette. Sofia Coppola's Mary Antoinette. Thank you for that. And your timer starts now. Okay, let's, should I go backwards? How am I doing this? Okay, let's go with Leo. Leo is in Inception. He also is in, oh, Leo is in Inception with, um, and Leo is also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is in Interview with a Vampire with Kirsten Dunst, who is in Marie Antoinette. Very good. Very nice. There you go. Well done, Mita. There you go. I don't even think I started the timer. Oh, I did. It was like oh, twenty seconds. I figured there was there is like enough meat there. There's like quite a few people in Mary Antoinette too. Yeah, it's like a lot of side characters. I think you just remember Kristen, 
and Jason Schwartzman. But there's like um, Rose Byrne and Jamie Dornan. It is Rose Byrne? It is Rose Byrne, yeah. I was right. You were okay. right. It is Rose Byrne. It's one of her earlier works. Because just so our listeners know why this is a thing right now, I decided to watch this for like absolutely <laughs> no reason the other day. Because I've hated on Marie Antoinette for quite some time. I thought it was a terrible movie when I actually watched it. And when I watched it this time, I didn't hate it. I just don't think she lands it. I think it's a great first half. And then it, like this, it kind of falls into the second half. How do you do that that ending justice, though? Like, how do you... I think the tonal shift, yeah. it suffers from I have from to rewatch that. it. You do. I haven't watched it in a I think you should have, it suffers from that tonal shift because it just, it can't maintain it. And it's not really half, it's really like when she finally has the baby, like onwards. It just can't, it can't maintain or even tell the same story. And that's, that's problematic. I'm just glad that they didn't show her getting her head cut off. I think that would have been wrong. Because exactly. I, I think her, Sophia's whole point was to show that she was misunderstood and that she was yeah. kind of like, thrown into the situation what else did you expect from her kind of the aesthetics of that film though still really speak to me yeah i'm sure they do yeah didn't she have manolo blonick design all the shoes yeah yeah and he did and he, he was did. like sure no problem manoles okay Mita. yes what are we watching next week next week we are watching on the waterfront i forgot what it was you for forgot <laughs> It's like, why is it taking you so time? We are watching On the Waterfront by my man, Ilya Kazan, but starring my other man, Marlon Brando. Wow. Two men for Nadim. Two men for Nadim. I, is there anybody for me in this movie? <laughs> maybe. Um, Vivian. No, not Vivian. No, Eva, Saint Mar- Eva Marie Saint. There you go. Great. <laughs> Do you know anything about On the Waterfront? No, I think. Is it about war? It's not. Oh, okay, good. It's not about war. <laughs> it's directed by Ilya Kazan, who has given us some excellent films over the years, mm. including one of my all-time favorites, or so I profess it to be, A Streetcar, star alert, starring one Marlon Brando as well. I thought you were going to say Gentleman's Agreement. I did like A Gentleman's Agreement quite a bit. There you go. So I, I, have seen a street, I have seen On the Waterfront, so I'm looking forward to talking about this with you and hearing your thoughts. But that's all for next week. Mita, do you have any parting words for us? I do, Nadine. Mm. Nobody ever lies about being lonely. But that's not true. That's not true. I, I just lie about it all the time. <laughs> but I think maybe at that time people didn't, but now we live in an Instagram world where people are trying to pretend to be things. They try to cover it up. They try there you go. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for On the Waterfront. Have a lovely week, okay. folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>